0: of one-half Radio Plaza at Life Media Studios. Hello, folks! Welcome back to Real Country Radio. Congratulations, Detroit. You can be thoroughly ashamed of yourself. The homicide tool has reached a nice even 750. Details on the latest leveling from Police Sergeant... Coming up now! ...in the morning. The tigers could use this guy's talents. He picked up his genuine Willie Mays power Eyes lightning-strike Louisville slugger baseball bat and proceeded to hit a thousand on the woman's head. Pulled you up a chair and listen to this.
1: My direction And in my heart somewhere I don't go there Still I don't go there Everybody says Say something, says something Say something, says something, say something, say something, say something Say something, say something I don't wanna get Caught up in the rhythm of it When I can't help myself No, I can't help myself No, no, no I'm up in the rhythm of it Maybe I'm looking for something I can't have Maybe I'm looking for something I can't have Everyone knows All of that mind is the sun Still in my heart somewhere. somewhere
0: Welcome to the Dirty Hooker Diesel Studios, bathed in the soft glow of vu meters flickering, contrasted against the staccato sharp blinking away of multiple LED lights. I am Charles Posh. Another sidetracked episode. Ready to kick off for you here on Friday night. I'm gonna have a, some random potpourri stuff to hit you with to start. Uh, first and foremost, been watching a lot of uh, various vlogs and stuff on YouTube. And uh, it's a point of thing, something I just got a point. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard. I see so many, and all of you do it. And I don't know if this is just you copying each other or what. Every single one of you starts every single one of your videos with a catchphrase, something like, Welcome back, which we're kind of guilty of here, and I'm trying to stop that one. Or my all time favorite, the spread hands. What's up, guys? Uh get it, say something original. You have a platform and make it memorable, make it yours. Do something just a little bit different. That's my insider baseball critique for tonight. Okay, uh, some of the other random stuff. Uh been asked several times. Yes, Screaming Demon is back with the Van Dorpe family. Uh, in charlotte michigan yes we do anticipate it being out on the track here in 2020 that's as much as we know at this point i do believe it is at the good doctor's place Uh, max simpson getting looked after as it always used to next uh thing that popped up on our radar i see there it's not confirmed yet but for the great lakes big rig challenge uh, up at Onaway Speedway coming in mid-May. They're going to have a JumboTron this year, so it enhances the experience there and and just a little bit more going on and uh some some additional piece to uh the action there. It's always a good time if you get a chance to go up there and you're a semi truck knot, you really need to go and check that show out. Hoping that uh will I'll be back in one capacity or another whether it's on mic or whatever, but I'll be up there. Uh last little bit of rando stuff. Um Our buddy, Ed Shoebridge, he had an extensive magazine collection. Not that kind of magazine. Stop it. Uh, About four boxes worth of different stuff, different titles. Uh, Red Power, Hook Magazine, The Puller. uh, Full Pull Magazines are in there. At least one year of the Pro Pulling Magazine is in there. Uh, Some yearbooks and stuff. I, I took the time, I took one day here a couple of weeks ago and separated them all so that they're at least in order by issue. Um, not a, Some of the titles we don't have a whole lot, but some we've got tons. Like The Hook, we've got probably 80% of the issues from 2000 to the present day. Uh, same for The Puller, probably 80-85% of, of all the issues of The Puller magazine from about 2000 to today. Same for The Hook. Um and and Red Power, um, a lot a lot of these. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna we're gonna split them up into by title, and we're gonna do kind of a a Well, It's gonna be a giveaway. We're, we're gonna this will be all on my nickel to get them to you, and we're gonna go by title. I'll uh, go through them one more time and and itemize exactly what's there so you know what you're getting, and then we will do some sort of a. I don't want to say a contest, but uh, I'm going to have you guys write to me, uh, shoot me an email, telling me why you deserve to have this particular set of magazines, and then we'll pick one and and get it on the road to you. So stay tuned to this show for that, and also website, Facebook page. Once I get it all collated and together and get it ready to go, uh, we'll we'll shoot that out and have some more detail on that. So uh, going to take a short break right here. And then we're going to get into uh, the meat and potatoes of what I sort of teased to you all week long. Stay tuned.
1: Dirty Hooker Diesel is
0: your full-size diesel performance specialist Harbor Beach. We're Michigan's final authority on anything performance and replacement related. Specializing in diesel performance parts and accessories for Duramax, Cummins, and Powerstroke diesel engines. From custom-built transmissions and engines to CP3 pumps and injectors, check them out at dirtyhookerdiesel.com.
1: Hi, this is Tony Burke, owner of Dirty Hooker Diesel. We are a full-service repair facility that can handle any task from stock to modified, big or small, so give us a call, 989-479-0444. Dirty Hooker Diesel, the final authority on everything performance and replacement.
0: All right. Down to business. Um, I never quite finished my thoughts on the NTPA discussion that Cortland and I had on this program. It's almost two weeks ago now. Uh, I wanted to get back into that. As we speak, as I record this tonight, uh, the Winter Nationals down in Cloverdale, are they've been underway for approximately 20 minutes. And I don't expect a lot to come out of there. No real clarity to be gathered uh, mainly the only thing I expect to come out of there is going to be good feelings and good vibes, and, and that's fine. You know, nothing heals a situation like going pulling with some good people and good classes, and they and they have that there. It'll be a good show. I'm excited to see what uh, the results are and, and how people finish. No, I, I'm not watching it uh, on the live stream. Um, too much to do t- tonight and tomorrow. I wanted to get this in for you. But uh, that's I, – I never really – This is kind of revising and extending my remarks. It's the politician in me uh, speaking there about this this piece on NTPA. With everything that's been happening, I I just there's a certain feeling that I have as an outsider about the whole situation, and I it's not it can't be willful obstinacy because they're just way they're too quiet. Okay, there's there's literally it's radio silence. There's nothing being said other than just some occasional random belligerence, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, it just it feels much more like involuntary negligence. And, and what do I mean? It just I feel like the attention is somewhere else right now, and I don't know where. Um, I know they've lost some important staff in the last couple of months, and I'm sure they're busy trying to backfill those positions. And, and while they don't have the positions filled, it means overload for the people that are there. Do more with less. I understand how that all works. I get it. It just uh, it just seems though that in the meantime that nobody's minding the store, so to speak. Um, you know, just a, a, a quick recap of what we talked about last time. The lack of discussion on light super exhaust. Just um, this, this this my way or the highway attitude as it came to Cloverdale and Ship Um We're gonna. I think we're. I'm gonna get back to that one here in a minute. Um, Actually, you know what? No, I'm gonna. Yeah, I am gonna get. I'll get back to that one in a minute. Let's save that one. Uh, no attention to the states. It seems like, um, never mind that 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 shield logo, half half of those stars, the representative state that that star stood for. There, they went bye bye. Long, long time ago. Um, you know that that whole scenario flew the coop a long time ago. The Galat deal just getting fumbled, and we got more on that coming here in in a minute. It just, I feel like there still is a power struggle underway within WPI. And uh, that scenario, that situation was started with Dave Schreier announcing a retirement uh, last winter, I think it was now that he's, you know, the the statement was, the press release came out. Dave's going to step aside effective April or May. I forget what it was. And then a replacement will be announced. And it had, I've never heard anything. You know, that was supposed to be effective eight months ago. Still no formal replacement announced that, that we know of. I mean, who who is in charge? Is is it still Dave Schreier? Is it Greg Randall? Is it Alan Washburn? Is it Doc Riley? Is it Ken Lamping? Is it Ed Hart? Is it the Ghost of Christmas Past? I don't know. No one knows. Okay. Um I understand that. WPI is a privately held corporation and they're not recla- required to really disclose much of anything that's how a privately held corporation works you don't have you don't have to do these quarterly calls and all this stuff you don't have to it's part of the deal um, I suppose they still have to do SEC filings I would think so maybe some data mining could be done there to find something out I don't know but as a member, of ntpa i'd really have some i'd have some questions is ntpa really servicing and serving the interest of its membership or are they just is it just a puppet to drive quote-unquote shareholder revenue for the ownership i mean who the hell really knows that's been a a conversation lately about where does all the sponsorship money go we got these sanctioning fees and and how come it can't go back to the purse why can't it be a payout a la ppl I don't know these answers. There's probably only a very select few who do. And I would guess that they're all on the WPI board. They all have self-interest in whatever that answer is. And probably that self-interest says to not share it with anybody else. I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not here to cast stones. I'm not trying to take NTPA down. Quite the opposite, actually. The NTPA is a very valuable commodity within the sport, probably the most. And I've interacted with them a lot, done some shows with and for them. The the membership is strong. Lots of friends there. I'm only giving voice to the same questions that I hear asked all the time, questions that I want to know the answer to, questions I think you should want to know the answers to only because I want it to live I want it to go on I want it to be what I think it could be and and that is to be back as that centerpiece organization for the sport that anchor point because right now I don't feel like it is um there's there's just there's got to be some sort of a acknowledgement as to what the hierarchy is and none is forthcoming and why is that important why is that noteworthy well for promoters and competitors alike, they deserve to know where the buck stops. What is my ultimate authority? And you know, you the the standard answer for something like this is always, "Oh, there's a process for that." Yeah, bullshit. Okay, I get it. Yeah, there, there's a process for everything, but what is the ultimate decider? At least when 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 Dave Schreier was, and for all we know, still is. Majority shareholder of WPI. You knew when it came to an ultimate decision on something, for better or for worse, the buck was going to stop with him. You knew where you had to get to if all the other steps in so-called process didn't get you the resolution you wanted or your appeals process to layer another process on top of process. You knew where you had to get to. Ultimately, for a final say. And right now, who the hell knows? Uh, We we don't know who is driving this bus. And uh, you don't necessarily, I don't think, have that sort of confusion with groups like Outlaws or PPL. It's just plain, simple. You know where you got to go and who you got to get to to find out really what's going on. And... NTPA has always been seemingly cloaked in mystery at that point. Yeah, you knew you had to get to Dave, but as far as beyond that, you know, there was never Dave was the boss, but it was from behind a curtain so to speak. There were there was no state of the union equivalency for NTPA. There was never yeah, they had the annual banquet and that, but you never really heard from the Chiefs, hey, th- look, this is our vision. This is where we think it's going. This is where we want it to go. And now it's up to NTPA or whoever else to sort of, I guess, formulate the the process for how, how we're going to accomplish it. Or you as a membership, you know. maybe And maybe that's, that's some of the give and take. You've got the membership of the NTPA who wants certain things. And then WPI, who should have this vision for the sport overall without the self-interest that the membership is going to have because I don't care how altruistic you say you are as a puller, you're never that altruistic. You're not. Be honest with yourself. You're not. It's just a matter of having some sort of transparency and clarity about where all this sort of stuff is going to go and where it's headed. And right now, we just do not have that. So I'm only asking these questions and then saying, look, it seems like Seems like an empty store, but the lights are on and the sign says open. It's it's kinda kinda spooky right now. I don't know I don't know who's standing behind the cash register and I don't know who's stocking the shelves because they're starting to look a little empty. I mentioned that random belligerence thing about the 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 alcohol uh, pipe deal. Uh, you remember that. I'm not gonna go through the whole thing again right now, but uh, preliminarily, I have been, I know that come wanna in whatever it's going to be, six, eight weeks, it's going to be two sessions of light super stocks. How do you like that? No smoke tube. Oh, the promoters wanted it. Well, yeah. Take that for what it's worth. There's not going to be smoke tubes on light supers in Shipshi, So. Anyway, uh, I'm going to take another quick break right here because we got to help pay the bills for what we do, and I'll be back in just a moment. Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you about the number one shop in northern Michigan, Prime Diesel and Automotive, Petoskey, Michigan. Walton Tracy Sheeman, they've got a very good thing going on the side of US 31 North there in Petoskey. Everything you need to uh, work on, both your diesel or uh, anything automotive, they're able to handle it top flight staff experienced mechanics and technicians on staff ready to help you and coming soon a brand new website where they're going to offer the latest greatest products to keep not only your diesel truck but your car or whatever it takes to keep you going down the road they're uh, they're very experienced not only in the repair side but performance as well experienced pullers and also a new drag truck too go check them out prime diesel and automotive get a hold of them 231 881 9599, nine, and look for the new website coming soon. Can't wait to share it with you. Next up, want to get on to the Galatino Bull Pull coming up in North Carolina. We touched on that in the last program as well, and a lot more details have come out and back and forth on the message boards and Facebook and here, there, and everywhere. And <clears throat> Dana Strickland, particularly, has really been. Fronting most of this contact and, and I got to say she has been exceptionally professional about it all way past the point where I would have just started telling people where to stick it much as much as you can't do that um, there's I tell you there's been there's been some arrows slung at this deal. But I got to say, you know, for the back of the envelope mathematicians out there, you guys who all think you're the smartest guy in the room, and you sit down and you look at the payout and you look at the entry fee and that they're going to charge for electrical hookups and charge the fans for entry, and you start totaling stuff up and you think, oh, Galat's going to pocket all this money for this show. Do any of you own a business? Do any of you even own a home? Because clearly you have no idea what the hell you're talking about the math the, the math you're citing doesn't even add up to a net profit for them in the first place they're having to kick money in to still cover the purse and on top of that you got to pay staff to man the facility which is one of the if not the nicest with a completely paved pits and it's one of the nicest places and N- TPA or any association gets to go pulling at you got to pay people to to set it up you got to pay people to work the event and staff the event while it's going on. You got people to pay people to clean up after your dirty asses are done watching it, because you're going to leave your shit all over the stands. You just are. So every show goes, every fair. I don't care. Why? Because I'm an asshole. Because I'm saying it. You do. You got to pay insurance on the property. You got to pay property taxes on the property. You got to pay for your utility bills. Uh, amortize whatever equipment is owned by the facility, rent the sleds. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting several things here that adds up really, really quick to where they need to and did get sponsorship to help cover some of the expense. And if when the whole weekend's over, if they're lucky, especially being the first time to do it this way, be lucky to turn a profit on the deal. Um. I wish them luck. I, th- I think it's awesome. I I give them balls and for trying it, you know, props for having the balls to try this and, and see, see if it can and work. Um, they've recently just announced in the last couple of days bonus money for top three finishes on Friday. The total payouts that have been announced are for aggregate distance across both days, Friday and Saturday. Whoever goes farthest across both days is who's going to take home the money. And I've done things similar to that with jackpot classes in an antique setting. That is fun. Uh, they did announce who the three announcers are going to be. Greg Fox, Miles, and I, th- I think Dan Mayer. I'm not sure. Anyway, Miles Krieger, and I forget who the third is. Uh, come Saturday night, if provided they've got the data in front of them of what everybody did on Friday, that's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm jealous of you guys getting to go down there and do that deal because you're going to have a blast with Saturday night. As the as each class goes on, figuring out where guys have to get to and and what the margins are, and and it gets fun to do that. Um, like I said, done it, done it in some antique pull jackpot settings, and what a ball! You guys are going to have fun. Um, that's cool. There's been. Pullers, I assume they are. They hide behind a screen name. I don't know who you are. You may not be. You might. Well, you might be a puller, but not on a tractor or a truck. <clears throat> anyway, bitching about the the entry fee and that it's five hundred dollars and payback is only ten places. Well, that's not different than anywhere else you go. You go to Toma, you go to Bowling Green. I don't care what event it is. You you're not necessarily paying for money in your pocket unless you finish top ten. Unless we forget, this is something I actually agreed with Doc Riley on something. He, cuz he posted this and he's right. Thought it was a competition. You pays your money, you takes your chances. See if you're better than the next guy. And and the conversation always turns to, well, we know who the top 10 is going to be, who the top of the class is, blah 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 blah. Well, they did that deal down at Wagglers for the Pro Stocks, big money non-sanctioned shootout type deal. Would going into it any of anybody except for maybe some down home folks from Illinois have put their money on Rodney Schick Schnicker to come in and kick everybody's ass? I doubt it. I doubt it. So don't tell me you know it's a foregone conclusion who's gonna win this deal. Because you don't. You absolutely don't. You gotta show up and try. I've I've seen uh you know, I've seen the the complaint. Well, I'd never go to an event like this without knowing who's gonna show up. Well, that, that might apply to wintertime type events. You know, the Farm Show really started that ball rolling by by announcing who their in, invitees are. I don't know how long ago they did it. It may have been all along. It always came out in the book for sure. You know, prior to the internet days, I don't know if people found this stuff out, maybe. Um, but it's part of the fun of this sport particularly, but it also it applies to drag racing has a crossover appeal in this sense that you never really actually do know who's going to show up. It's an open invite. It's not a, it's not an, it's not an invitational. If you show up and register, you can come do it. And that's kind of, that's actually one of the cool pieces. And I don't know where we lost that. This idea that you got to know who's going to show up or you're not going to go watch. What the hell? Get over yourself. Really? I, I, you deserve to go there and be surprised this 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 day and age where we have these little black things that we carry around excuse me carry around our pockets and we can punch up google and find out anything we want to find out within seconds has really spoiled everybody on everything you know you Allow yourself to be surprised, for Christ's sake. Go go, have a good time. Enjoy what is going to be good pulling at a good venue with good sleds and good announcers and good lighting. And I assume the sound system is good. I've never been there. But a good sound system, I can't believe that it wouldn't be. And good photography coverage because you'll have that out there. Good, it'll I don't know if they're gonna live stream it. I haven't heard anything about that. And if not, it'll be videotaped, I'm sure. Good video coverage. It's a good event. Oh, but I don't know. I don't know who's coming. So uh no, I'm, I'm not gonna go. Or oh, entry fee's too high. I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna go Paul. I'm not gonna go take my chances. It's a competition. Go. Go have fun. Go try. You you don't know. You're assuming as a competitor and as a fan, allow allow yourself to be shocked and awed. Allow yourself to be surprised. Everything doesn't have to be a foregone conclusion for you. When the hell did you, you know, my mom stopped spoon feeding me, what, 40, I'll say 39 years ago. Come on, be surprised once in a while. Nothing wrong with that. The argument's been levied against it. You know, wow, you know, you got an open date this year, but next year a sanctioned body could schedule on top of you. Dane answered that one too. Well, that's but that, that's the risk we take. That's a risk any event takes. I don't care if you're NTPA, PPL, outlaws, whoever. If you're a promoter, you're taking the risk that your weekend's going to get stolen or or walked over by somebody else. It's just part of it. It's a risk you take. They're early in the year, kind of before things really kick off in terms of points, tours. If if And and this decision to go independent happened after all the banquets and after tentative schedules were announced. And granted, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It doesn't mean anything even for this year yet. We could see a promoter come in out of the clear blue sky and ink a deal with NTPA or PPL to go over the top of Galaton And I'd be willing to bet that there are some bitter people in Worthington, Ohio. Who would dearly love just salivating for that sort of opportunity? Be careful, karma's a bitch. But I'm sure that I'm sure that scenario exists, where there there's people who would love right now to ink a deal to go full big time pulling again opposite the Galat show on that weekend. I'm not advocating it happened, but I could see it happening. There's the irresponsible speculation that "Ah, you don't know who's going to, you don't know if anybody's even going to show up. It's not sanction. Chase points, chase points. I I don't know, within the history and the context of this sport in particular, I don't know that it ever necessarily mattered really for that. I mean, yeah, yeah, guys want to win. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't, don't twist it up. Guys do want to win points titles. That's, that is important. But has it always been a deciding factor in where somebody goes? Uh, no. Um, especially early or late in a season. Early in a season, you go and try to win some money and get a toehold somewhere. And if you're doing well on that points tour, then you probably will follow it. And conversely, as you get into August, if you don't feel like you got a chance at that title, then you probably start shopping your schedule around for for the money. It just... or or the prestige of a certain event, what have you. That's just pragmatism at work. But the idea that it has to be sanctioned, door car drag racing has learned this lesson. It does not have to be. Something like this could work. And indeed, I think that we may be on a path now, and and Galat's going to be the trailblazers for this, where truck and tractor pulling maybe goes down a road of big-time non-sanctioned events. Actually, they're really not the trailblazer for this. They are in the sense that it's outdoors, but they're not the trailblazer for a non-sanctioned deal. Shows like like Gordyville and the Farm Machinery Show itself have been never-sanctioned type deals where you try to bring in across all sanctioned bodies. You try to get pullers. You don't try to get a name you try to get pullers. You try to get competitors to show up. And it works for the door car drag guys. I mean, events like the Streetcar Super Nationals and Lights Out, No Mercy, the World Series of Drag Racing, Sweet 16. Get out a calendar, at least one a month seems to be happening. Maybe maybe December and January there's nothing, but the rest of the year, there's probably 10 of these deals. You know, there's big door car events. that There's one of the big one that... At, uh, at Maryland Dragway. There's a big one at uh, Rockingham, North Carolina. There are big door car events out there, and they're not sanctioned by anybody. And big names come. This idea you got to chase a championship? No, you don't. No, you don't. Who who in the door car racing world doesn't want to go down to South Georgia Motor Motorsports Park and win one of the Duck X deals? Everybody wants to go win one of them. What ProMod doesn't want to go out to the streetcar supernationals Ve- in Vegas in the fall and see just how damn fast they can go in a quarter mile? I mean, it, it, it works, and it's attention-getting. I pull up the live streams. I watch that. I watch it. It's, it's exciting to me, too. So I wish all the best to the folks at Galat and in, in the Motorsports Park there with this deal. I hope it works. I hope it's a success. I'm excited to see what it portends for the future of the sport, which is going to lead into the next piece about growing pulling. I'll take another quick break and we'll be right back and move in to something that I think is going to be, I hope, is going to be a bit thought provoking. Another fantastic partner for Sidetracked is Lock Performance out of Napanee, Indiana, Northeast Indiana. Uh, Tristan Reamer and the gang, another very, very skilled shop. They. Do it all, and they focus on diesel. They they're comfortable with Duramax. They're comfortable with Cummins. They're comfortable with Power Stroke. Engine builds, transmission builds. Your daily driver needs something, or you want to go to that next level and go all out performance. Lock Performance can help you make it happen. They represent some of the best brands in the business, and their own know-how as well, going into engine builds, transmission builds, and the like. Custom mild to wild. Lock Performance can make it happen. They're uh, they're. Tristan's a puller himself, so he knows what it takes to go down the 300-foot strip of dirt, and they're not scared to go in drag racing either. Good group of guys, and uh, very, very proud to uh, have them come on board here in 2020. Lock Performance, Napa and Danny, lockperformance.com to shop online. Sales nationwide. They can make it happen for you. That's the guys at Lock Performance. Okay. Now we talk a lot, and and a lot of people talking awful lot about growing the sport of pulling. As I said with on the last show I'm I'm not the guy to lead such a charge. I I don't a lot of reasons why. Primarily has to do with my personality. I, I know who I know what I am. Know what I'm about. I'm a good idea person, but I'm not necessarily the guy for I'm I'm a great great leader on that in that sense. I'm a little too oddball. But and you're going to find out why here in a minute. When it comes to growing the sport, a lot of times everybody gets really, I hate to use corporate speak, but they get really granular. They get way right down deep in the details and bogged down in the minutia stuff, and that's a that's a natural human tendency, but it doesn't necessarily solve anything. It just leads to a lot of arguments. It doesn't, it's not high level enough to really oversee the entire picture that's where we need to go. We got we gotta get really high level with this and and think in terms of the sport, not classes. Although later at the end of this program I am gonna go back down and do some of that deep dive in into stuff that, that I do think matters, but um and what could work specifically um to make, make polling successful. But in, in the nineteen eighties we always look at the eighties as, as the The golden years, it was when pulling was big and it's remembered very, very fondly. Well, why is that? Why? What was different back then? Think really, really critically and hard about the aesthetics of pulling back then. And it's, it's important to conceptualize this is something we've talked about on this program before and I still believe it to this day and I'm I'm going to be consistent on this one that this is a sport this is a competition this is a contest it is not a show I use that word as a pronoun all the time I'm doing these shows I'm going to that show I probably should drop that word. I should ban that word from my own vocabulary because it's wrong. This is not a show. It is a contest. It's a competition between vehicles classified like with like, and then they see who can pull the farthest. If there is a show aspect that comes out of that it comes out of the theatrics of watching the competition take place there is drama to be found in competition maybe it's not the huge the the, the, the most the biggest spectator sport there is but track and field is pure competition people watch it to see who is going to win Most sports have varying levels of that. There are rule manipulations that can take place for the sake of the show. I think every time that motorsports tries to manipulate rules toward the benefit of the show, they wind up cocking it up. They screw up a good thing. I'm gonna explain a little bit about what I mean by that as we go, but you gotta think of this not as a show. It's entertainment, yes, but it is not a show. There's no script. There's no nothing preordained about it. There's no exposition strictly for exposition exposition's sake. We did have we did have those kind of pullers back, back that's another thing that we did have back in the eighties. We did have exhibition vehicles that were filled in here and there for for the entertainment, pure entertainment piece, pure theatric. And those are they are remembered fondly. Orange Blossom Special Two, probably the most fondly remembered, is now back in action. Eddie Carey had it at uh at Lexington this past weekend, ran it both nights. Awesome. That's cool, that's cool. I want to see it. I want. To, I saw it when I was a kid. Yeah, I want to go see it again. Of course, I still want to find Psycho wherever the hell that thing went. I'm probably the last person affiliated with with pulling to see it complete. And shame on me, I didn't buy the damn thing when I had the chance. It was sitting there. I, the only thing that stopped me at the time, side sidetracked. The only thing that stopped me at the time. I was just out of college, finding my way in the professional world. Really didn't have a place to put it. Um. Probably didn't have the budget to finish it, but if 41-year-old me could go back and kick 22-year-old me in the balls, (laughs) that thing would have followed me home then. Oh, well. What do you do? Anyway, it's a competition. It's not a show. And don't, don't cite for me monster trucks. Well, they're a show, and they're wildly successful. Screw you. You're wrong. Here's why you're wrong. Yes, Monster Trucks has a racing component to it. Who gives a shit? They run that first. Well, everybody's still in the concourse drinking beer. Nobody pays attention. And lest we forget, Monster Trucks started as a show. They started as an exposition. They never started as a racing series that evolved into a show. They were always a show. They added the racing only to derive, during its growth, some semblance of relevance, some semblance of legitimacy. Other than that, it was always a show, and it remains to this day a show. It's a little bit like, you know, figure skating has always been a show. Yes, it's athletic, but it's still a show. And then, you know, a couple years into the creation of figure skating, someone says, hey, between the short program and the long program, let's make him two-by-two two race laps around the rink and see who's fastest. Try to lend some legitimacy as a sport to it. Bullshit. They didn't do that with figure skating. They tried to do it. They did do it with monster trucks because you know they got an engine. Well, they will say figure skaters are capable of wrecking just as hard as a monster truck is. You ever see one of them crash out of a triple toe loop or whatever? It's a Yard sale, man. Stuff goes everywhere. Yes, I've watched figure skating. So what? His name is Brian Hamilton. Did uh, he did a special? I think on CBC. It was like twenty five years ago. They he did a special not where he would figure skate in a rink. It was all like set pieces and he acted things and what stuck in my mind was he did the whole singing in the rain Fred Astaire deal on skates on a set where the street and the sidewalk were ice and the set had rain falling out real rain. This wasn't none of the CGI bullshit. It was raining in the studio to make, to do, shoot the, it. Was, it was cool as hell. If you can find it on YouTube, let me know. Yeah, I, yeah, I watched I've watched figure skating. Get over it. I'm not just some will and hillbilly whatever you guys think I am a lot going on between these years uh, no actually there isn't there's there's not a lot no one likes no one likes to play trivial pursuit with me I, I have, I'm full of useless ass knowledge anyway pulling is a competition it is not a show okay and today all we hear is race race tractor race go fast. Crowd wants more speed. We hear that all the time. The crowd loves us speed. They want smoke and noise and tractors going 100 miles an hour. Uh, Do they? Do they? It's exciting to watch at first. I I will give you that. Watching 45,000 pounds, whatever, get accelerated to 35 miles an hour and stop again in 330 feet. Yeah, there there's there is a certain spectacle to that. There is. But race sled behavior has also bred homogeneity of the spectacle. What do I mean by that? Well, for one, it's boring. It's like white bread. It's boring as shit. Here's why. Tractor leaves the line. Up to thirty miles an hour. Chirps the charger three oh two. Next guy winds it up 30 miles an hour, 301. Next guy winds it up, dead 306. Next guy winds it up, 299. Next guy winds it up, 304. Next guy winds it up, 305. Next guy winds it up, 301 and a half. Next guy winds it up, 307. After a while, you become desensitized to that. It starts to look the same, and dare I say, because everybody is, oh, we're told we want close competition. It's got to be close. Everybody finishes within eight feet of each other. We want good close competition, but what does it look like? It starts to look the same, and dare I say it, it starts to look easy. Easy. Everybody can go out there, and I don't, don't get, oh, it's hard. No shit, Buckwheat. You don't have to preach to the choir here with this one. I, I know it's actually hard. I'm saying, step back a minute, look at it from 10 miles up. If you're uninitiated, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with the nuances, if you're not in insider, if you're one of those thousands of people that we say are out there that we want to attract, what does it start to look like after a while? It starts to look the same. It starts to look easy. Is that an aesthetic problem for our sport? I think maybe it is. We tell ourselves we want the close competition. That's that's what everybody says they want. Because it's the nice thing to say. It's the polite thing to say. It's the politically correct thing to say. But is it honest? I don't think so. Now, I'm friends with a lot of pullers. As an announcer, yes, I want... I, I, I try to be friends with everybody in the pit area. You guys are... I've said this before. You guys are, in a sense, my hero because you're getting to do something that I don't get to. And there's a lot of reasons why I'm not... Look, I'm fine with my station in life. It's okay. I'm not mad about it. I'm not bitter. I am, But I am telling you, I do idolize you guys who get to go do this. I do put you on that pedestal, and I don't want to see anything bad for you guys happen. But, as an announcer as somebody who has to get the crowd up for what they're seeing and and both be educational and specific about the competition aspect of it, I do need some of that drama to come in there. And how do I get it? If I'm honest and if every casual fan is truly honest with themselves, if you got 10 pulling vehicles in a class, do you want all 10 of them to finish within two feet of each other and do the same thing? No, you don't. If there's 10 in the class... If somebody's honest, they want two of you to blow up and they want one of you to whip the living crap out of the other nine. That that towering pass that just blows your mind that you're going to tell your friends about on Monday if they weren't there. Holy crap, you should have seen what this guy did. Actually, no, I take that back. I want two of you to blow up and I want two of you to blow it out the end. And then I want you to come back and pull off. And then I want those two guys to finish within inches of each other. Cause that's drama that that's an exciting show. I want that. The two guys that blew up. No, I, I know that that vehicle is your life. That's your passion. And I would treat it the same way. And as, as my friend, truly I'm crushed for you. I'm heartbroken. and I know you are too to just sit there with that glazed-over look on your face and stare at that smoking hulk, it sucks. It's awful. It's gut-wrenching. Absolutely gut-wrenching. It's a pain I know well. It's its a shocking kind of pain. UCC, the last-minute hooker, that was scary and very hurtful what happened. At the time, I wasn't even officially working for, for Dirty Hooker, but represent them and had worked on the truck. My son and I had worked on the truck prior to the 2019 competition. Yeah, piece of me was on fire up on that dyno, too. That sucked. I get, trust me, I get it. But as an announcer or as the casual fan, hell yeah, I want a couple of you to blow up. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes, I do. For the sake of, of the... I'm going to use that word, that S word. For the sake of the show. The drama of it. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I want that. But back to the race sled idea. The homogeneity of it. What was different back in the 80s? I, and I get it. I know the pullers love... The, they love the speed. I'm sure they're addicted to it. And they want... Self-interest; they want to continue with the fast sleds. I'm sure. What was different 35 or 40 years ago? It it if you saw if you go to a drag race today, and you see a, a pro mod or a, or an alcohol funny car or a top alcohol dragster, same engine in essence is what's on a modified tractor the first time you go see a modified it's if it's going to be mind blowing for you but again we're going to get to that point where with the race sleds and the homogeneity of it all where everybody kind of does the same thing within a class where you suddenly you start to gradually become desensitized to the proceedings of the class Old sleds weren't like that. Yes, they were heavy. No, things didn't move fast. But, but, what came with that? Pull up some mid-80s footage. It looked hard. It looked hard. Modern tractor pulling doesn't look hard. Old tractor pulling looks hard. If you go back stitch in time to 1986, let's just say, and you saw that same single engine alcohol deal, and then you went to a tractor pull and you saw four or five of those same engines on a tractor, especially one that had that mind blowing, blow it out the door. They they've got it, they nailed it that night it's it's stunning and you can watch you can watch these old videos and watch the crowd reaction when when a Connor brothers or a danny dean or a banter brothers or a john Heilman or an art arfons or whoever you want to name nailed it that night and just kicked the crap out of everybody it's pandemonium it's not cheering it the place goes nuts it's that visual appeal it's that idea that it looks hard to do, that you watch it and you just go, man, how the hell did he do that tonight? I can't do that. How did he do that? Today, modern pulling, I think all of us can probably convince ourselves we can do it, whether or not we can or we can't. There is a big aesthetic problem, as I see it, with the sport of pulling. And there is with other forms of, this isn't, this is not a, a problem unique to to tractor pulling. Formula One racing. Go back to the 60s and 70s. They used to race on those, those bias ply tires and didn't have a ton of arrow on the cars. They had some. They had wings, but it, it not a ton of arrow like today. And the cars are sliding around. The drivers sawing at the wheel, but they're in control the whole time. It was a, it was Competition, it was pure in the sense that it was a contest, man versus man and machine versus machine, but there was a theatrical drama to it. This holy shit, they're on the ragged edge and controlling that thing. I I can't do that. You watch a modern Formula One race today where they go around because there's so much arrow that they're on rails, and yes, it's fast. And yes, they have lightning quick reflexes. But once you become desensitized to the speed, it starts to look easy. NASCAR same thing. 60s, 70s, 80s they raced on the bias tire and the cars are sliding around and pulling slide jobs on each other and the drivers in control the whole most of the time, probably 90% of the time. They didn't have all the arrow on the cars and they just, they dancing and and it looks difficult. You go, holy, I'd be scared shitless. I could not get, I couldn't go out there and do that. Today, all this arrow on the cars and radial tires and they just go around circles, play follow the leader. Yes, I know it's hard. In reality, yes, it is hard. But it looks easy. It looks easy. That's the problem. And I don't know. I don't know how you change it. I don't know how you how you how you do anything. That's the old way. Radial tires are here to stay in racing. They're coming to pulling. They're making their way in the smaller tire classes already. They're, it's coming. Race sleds are all already built, and, and it would take a phenomenally powerful, influential, dictatorial director of a series who would mandate these heavier sleds to start with and then offer enough money to induce the pullers to actually come and try the damn thing to make it happen today. It's not going to happen. I realize that. I recognize that. But I need people to consider the aesthetics of the sport. How do we make it look hard again? so that the curiosity is peaked as to how we're pulling this off with this machinery. That's the piece that's missing today. And, you know, for all the, for all that major motorsports has gone a certain way, I will tell you there is. And I looked at door car drag racing one more time to prove that an idea like this works. There's probably a bunch of you that have no idea who the hell runs professional NHRA drag racing. You you probably couldn't name 10 nitro drivers if your life depended on it across both classes. But I bet you know a bunch of people who do no prep drag racing. I bet you watch Street Outlaws. Why? Because it looks hard. The track isn't prepped. You got to take power out. You got to drive the thing. Doing pedal jobs, it looks hard. It looks hard. Dirt racing is having a resurgence. It seems. I'm not in. I'm not in that world. I'm, I don't have my finger quite on the pulse. But it sure. To an outsider, feels like it. Why? Because dirt modifieds, dirt late models, midgets, Silver Crown, World of Outlaws, going around on those bull rings and sliding all over the damn place. It looks hard. In addition to the lightning reflexes, it looks hard. I don't. I couldn't do it. I don't think. I don't, I'm not about to be the next Tim Richmond. I'm not about to never be a driver and then go sit in a sprint car and then instantly am um, hauling ass. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. So, so what? What happens? You know, how do we? What's something we could do? Where Where can we look? We've talked a lot about and railed against the fractionalization that is taking place in this sport, we just, you know, if, we, if we're if we not happy with our chosen class, then we want to splinter off and start a new one and try to get a new rule book started, and it just devolves and devolves and devolves and devolves. And we're at the point now where I honestly, even w- without a rule book, I couldn't tell you what the hell a super pro hot, too hot to twice on Sunday fireman. I don't know. I don't... I altered... What the hell? I don't know what any of that is. I have no idea. None. Couldn't tell you. And I consider myself an insider sport. I don't know what that shit is. And... It's because it is so fractured and so regionalized, there's no crossover appeal. You can't travel. It's hard to sell your stuff because this guy wants your turbo because it's legal for his group. And that guy wants your cam because it's legal for his group. But not both. And that other guy wants your tires because it's legal where he pulls. And what the the fuck did we do? You need some common sense rules. That's that's a given. I'm not I'm not even gonna go into what that means or what it is. We could argue about that until we're all pulling electrics. Okay. But one idea I do have is to go back to the idea of weight classes. You go back to where it, you've got super stock and you've got pro stock and you've got modified and you've got 3 to 4 weight breaks you compete at. 6000 the light supers they seem to be pretty healthy right now. Leave that the hell alone. Fine, 6000. We do an 8000 combo. You know it's just like the lights. 8000 And then do a 10000. I don't give a shit. 10. Don't tell me this sleds can't stop, it. bullshit. Or that the there isn't the equipment to drive lines won't hold up. Pro stocks are pulling 10000 and they're they're not that far behind a super for power. Don't tell me it can't hack it. Bullshit. You'll find a way. And what does this do? If the rules are common across all three weight classes, the only difference is the weight of the vehicle itself. What does that do? Well, if you're not hacking it at 6,000 pounds, you throw some weight on. Maybe you try it at 8. Can't hang with the heavy guys at 10,000? You pull 2,000 off and go to 8,000. Whatever. They're all component chassis. You can take the weight on and off. Don't tell me you can't because you can. And guys used to, but not only that. Now you have a vehicle that when you've had enough and you decide it's time to move on, you got something you can sell because the rules are consistent across multiple weight breaks. Modifieds. Let's let's go down to let's go back down to fifty five hundred for the light. You have a fifty five hundred pound light. We'll go back to an honest seventy two hundred pound mid. And then do the unlimiteds at I don't know, 84, 8,500 pounds. I think that's doable. I really think it's doable. And you have the same same rule book across them all. None of this blower limit shit. Just you know, whatever. No complexity. Keep it keep it simple. Pro stock. You can do the same thing. They're all component chassis now. Ninety five percent of them. Fine. You keep the ten thousand the way it's always been. You have the eight as well. And oh by the way. Pro stocks can jump in and run with the Supers. It's legal. Remember when they used to do that? Remember pro stocks used to jump in with Supers? How interesting would that be today? Wouldn't you want to see that? I think it could be, ha- I think it could happen. And, and while I'm on the, on the subject, here's, here's what I missed. This was another one. Another one's what the fuck things. There's a I forget the guy's name. He was at several polls this summer in the mini rod class running a uh, naturally aspirated small tire mini in with the Grand National Mini Rod class. And they threw that out. They banned it. That guy can't come pull at, at Bowling Green or Napoleon or I I forget. I think I saw I think he was at Fort Recovery. A couple other places he ran. Way to kick a guy right in the fucking nuts, who's trying to gr- help you do exactly what you say you want to do, grow the sport. Yeah, fine. He he knows he's not going to be competitive against the blower guys. He knows that. Duh. Everybody in the par property knows that. But you know what? He's another hook fee. He's another guy in your show. He's another guy trying. He's getting that taste of big stage pulling, and you you run him the you run him off. And I'm not sure if that rule comes right from the top or if it was suggested for the rules meeting by a member of the class, but what the fuck? Yeah, kick a guy right in the balls as he's trying to climb that ladder. That just, something like that just doesn't make any damn sense to me. I don't understand that. I don't. But something like this, it's going to take a very strong leader. To grab the sport by the scruff of its neck, it can't be a competitor-run organization that's going to do something like this. It's it's going to take a very very strong person at the top to make it happen, um, and and stop all this infighting and, and be that change agent. And quite frankly, NTPA has the chance to ascend to that level if they get their leadership shit figured out and stop stop worrying about it, stop fighting about it, and and start driving forward again. I hope that's where we're going to go, and we'll see. I hope tonight some of the things I said made sense, and I hope it made you think just a little bit about the sport and where we're at and and where we maybe could go in the future. Till next time, I'm Charles. Good night.
1: That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. It. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad.
0: Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, it though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. away. Hey, boo. Boo.